Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. <laughs> Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and I received my PhD in horrorology at the prestigious West Carpenter University. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Joining me as always is the spectral Latina who ends who earns top honors for her kills, La Urena. How are your classes and slashing going so far? I think I'm getting better and I think I'm gonna graduate this year. Finally. <laughs> this is it. This is the year. This is the year you finally make it. Yes. <laughs> this episode we are covering the school day slashers or at least some of them if you pull up a list of slashers that takes place in or around a high school or a university you would find that there are dozens that fit in that category including scream as we've already discussed oh, yeah. uh we focused on a few this episode that specifically took place around school functions but unfortunately we only have so much time so some of the other ones like final exam um uh, sorority house massacre i don't know there's like a million of them there's a bunch we're not gonna be covering so uh so grab that old high school yearbook put on your old letterman's jacket and join us for our views of prom night and graduation day we're going back to the glory days (laughs) (laughs) quotation marks yeah uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. But first, let's attack some bees. <laughs> What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I don't have my eyes! I'm actually not screaming not my eyes this episode. It's kind of a surprising twist whenever the bees are actually better than some of the movies we're covering, spoiler alert. But anyways... Uh, you, you had one that you were going to bring up for this episode, correct? Or No, I'm not going to. I, I, did, I didn't watch okay. it. Even though I watched it, but I didn't watch it. So I need to give it my full attention. I, I, I failed the, that class. 
It was the new Winnie Pooh, Blood and Honey, right? Yeah, it's definitely a B-movie. That's the only spoiler I'm going to give right now. Well, I'll give one spoiler. Uh, Someone gets attacked by some bees. (laughs) Really? Literally literally gets attacked by some bees. And I was like, holy shit, this will be an amazing, like... Attack of the Bees. It's one of those comfort, you know how you get a comfort horror film that you can watch? I mean, there's a lot now. You could just go to bed watching now, but this is definitely a comfort one. So, I mean, it is a slasher, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they're masked killers or something? Okay. It's a slasher. I'm going to have to cover it. I need to cover it like maybe next episode or something. Yeah, we we I might try to hunt it down, and we might be able to both like weigh in on it because I'm not. I mean, I'm interested, but I've not really like spent much time trying to find it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, all right, I've got a couple I'm going to cover on this episode just because they they kind of fit the theme, and you know, it's it and it's worth looking at. Uh, first one is Girls Night Out. That's N I T E out. Uh, there's actually like a newer film that's got it spelled correctly, and. It's a totally different movie, folks. Uh, anyways, this was also known as the Scaremaker uh, from 1982. Tagline: His grave is empty, his corpse is cold. Not terrible, mm. considering some of the ones we've had. Yeah, that's true. Uh, directed by Robert Dubell, uh, written by Gil Spencer Jr., uh, and then Kevin. Kurgis and Joe Bolster, who did the screenplay and story. And then we have Anthony Ingervis, who did the screenplay. Uh, music is by a bunch of people The Loving Spoonful, 1910 Fruit Gum Company, and Tommy James and the Shondells. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this has a lot of pop music in it. It's actually one of the highlights of the movie, except that they reuse some of the same songs multiple times. Those budgets only go so far, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, principal players, we have Julia Montgomery playing Lynn Connors, who's a final girl in quotation marks, and also too nice of a girlfriend. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, most people remember Julia Montgomery as being the uh, hot blonde uh, cheerleader from Revenge of the Nerds that the main character gets hooks up with in the Darth Vader mask later on in the movie. Oh, my God. You remember that? Have you ever watched those movies? No, I wasn't into those movies. But yeah. every every guy I know from the 80s, you, my husband, probably Donnie G, uh, loved those kinds of movies. And I'm not surprised why. There's an ample amount of titties. Sometimes there's yes. ass. You know, very gorgeous women. Uh, you're one of your favorite peoples in that movie. The uh, what is it? Metatron. Uh, the guy that plays Booger is in that movie or whatever. Um, from uh, Supernatural, he played Metatron there for a bit. I didn't like him. Are you being sarcastic <laughs> right now? I'm being sarcastic. Oh, I was about to he, say I hated he him. Is, he is a he is a hilarious character actor though. Yeah, he is. Uh, we have, uh, but she's, it's, it was filmed right around the same, this movie's filmed right around the same time. She's actually, the, if you were to watch this movie, you couldn't tell the difference. It's like, she's playing the same damn character, just in a different setting. So yeah. even goes after the same kind of guys. I mean, not nerdy, but in the sense that she likes the jocks, that's how she starts out the revenge of the nerds movie. Uh, we have Rutania Alda playing Richard Dickie Cavanaugh and, um, Katie Barney Cavanaugh. So there, there's your spoiler, folks. Uh, she's both the uh, she's a set of twins in this movie, and she is the killer, but she's also somebody else in the movie. 
uh, that every one of these movies like tries to play it off. Like the killers, like they give you like two or three different red herrings at least. And it's like, who's going to be. And you're like, it's that person that you introduced for no reason. And then they come back. Yeah. The weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Um, Barney is the, is basically like the local, like, you know, a restaurant, like burger joint that the kids all go to after their games and stuff. She's the waitress there. That's like taking the orders, but that's how she, that that's why she's kind of doing what she's doing. And I'll get in that a little bit, but like, she's around these college kids all the time. And her brother uh, was institutionalized uh, so many years before. I don't know if it really gives a time frame. Uh, and, and because he, he found his girlfriend cheating on him during their like scavenger hunt that they used to do like annually. And, uh, basically he went insane, killed her. They, they locked him up and then the beginning of the movie starts with him hanging himself. And so the rest of the movie, everybody thinks that he's back out to doing the crime. Oh, but it's actually his twin sister that's killing for him. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> We kind of have that in another film we watched a little. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. And I was like, man, these movies kind of stole from each other. Yeah. They borrowed. <laughs> it was inspo. Remember, we talked about it. Inspo. <laughs> but uh, this one is a mascot killer. There is the, the, the school mascot is kind of a, a bear, like a weird, like Five Nights at Freddy's looking style bear. Ooh. And uh, I'll give them credit for this. They, they did an interesting job with the kills because... I mean, it looks janky as shit, but they've got, when the killer go when she goes to kill people, she gets like this wooden block, tapes like four different like uh, steak knives that you would like cut your steak at at home to the knife to make like claws that she pushes in and out of the bear suit when she's killing people. So. Okay. <laughs> um, she was in a few other movies, Night of the Wolf, Amityville 2, The Possession, Mommy Dearest. Christmas Evil and When a Stranger Calls. So she's been quite she's a been few in some good movies. ones. Oh my god, this bear is holy shit. It's <laughs> literally like it's almost like a bear like a furry costume, but they literally made his eyes out of paper. Mm-hmm. It looks like <laughs> put a like a uh felt tongue glued a felt tongue on it and then glued a gray grandma wig in the center of its head. Holy shit, I thought this was janky. I mean, wait, when you said janky, but I didn't realize it was uh, this janky. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it's interesting. It's uh if it's a different design than some of the ones we've had in I some mean, of these movies. You know, do you have to get fancy when you're murdering look at Jason. He had a fucking hockey mask on. Come on, guys, we and, don't have to and, be and basically clothes that you would find Dean Winchester wearing in a, in, exactly. you know, supernatural. Showing off them cakes. <laughs> We have Hal Holbrook playing Jim McVeigh, uh, the head security guard and the Doom Prophet in the movie, literally phoning his his performance in. Um, I, I don't know if I, if I've got any trivia on this movie, but I, that's what he did. I mean, they only had him for like two days because of scheduling conflicts. So anytime you've seen him interacting in the movie, it's off in a distance, and other people are like. You know, it cuts to another person interacting back with him. That's because he filmed none of his scenes with anybody in the movie. Oh, my whatsoever. God. That's hella and, funny. Uh, and most of the movies, him on the phone interacting with a killer as they're calling him and, like, taunting him about all the stuff. So uh, he was uh, previously in The Fog. He was the preacher at the end of the movie that gets his yes. decapitated. And uh, he was also in Creep Show, which we've not covered, but we will in a future season. 
James Carroll plays Teddy Ratliff, the uh, horn dog and baseball or basketball captain. Uh, he's actually the boyfriend to the the quote unquote final girl, and he spends the entire movie trying to fuck anybody but her. Well, I mean, he does fuck her, but like he spends the rest of his time specifically going after one of the other women in the movie, and like he, I mean, and she's just, and that's why I say she's too nice because every one of her friends is like, you know, he's like probably fucking around on you. She's like, Oh no, he's, I know he's kind of a handful, but and it's like, but no, he's, he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I feel like everybody in high school knew at least one <laughs> jock or alleged good looking guy that was like that. And they always had the fucking nicest girlfriend. And the mm-hmm. friends that were telling her, hey, he's probably cheating on you, they were jealous because they knew that they were also, quotation mark, getting cheated on because they were fucking him too. Yeah. Bunch yeah. of hoes. I mean, and that's that's basically how it is in this movie. Like, every one of the girls is like, that's telling her. I mean, they kind of give like sidelong glances at each other. It's like, yeah, we've had a piece of him too. Yeah. It's like, you know. He was um, a hoe for show. Here's what kind of boyfriend he is. He Dutch ovens the main or final girl uh, at one point in the movie. Like they've just had sex after he's spent most of the night hitting on another woman uh, at a sorority party. And uh, after they're done, he, uh, you know, lets one rip and then holds the covers over her head. So, well, you know what? Um, (laughs) It's very disrespectful when a man does that to a woman. But when a woman does that to a man, you fucking wife her up. That is love. Well, he did it to her, so, I mean, it's, you know, he's not too good of a guy. (laughs) Uh, We have Mart uh, McChesney playing Pete Maniac Krasanik, uh, and, of course, Maniac being his name. He's one of the red herrings. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Krasaniak is his last name. Yeah, Krasaniak's his last name. Maniac Krasaniak. Oh, my God. That's retarded. Um yeah, Crazy Maniac, I mean, basically is his last name, just shortened down. Uh, he's another basketball star. Uh, him and Teddy are best friends, and uh, he's got woman problems. Like, the movie starts up, and, like, he's bemoaning the fact that he can't keep a woman. And, like, you know, Teddy's, and, you know, and then Teddy mentions to him, it's fine. And then he, you know, basically looks at Teddy and says, well, you've got, you know, um, you've got Lynn, she's, you know, with you through thick and thin, and I have nobody. And so it sets it up that, like, you know, because the killer is going after these women who, uh, you know, seem, you know, overly promiscuous and all that stuff, that's kind of the gist of the movie is that they're killing cheating women uh, or cheaters in general that, you know, it's it could be him because, you know, he's had such women problems. But it's uh, it's a lame red herring. Uh, we have David Holbrook, son of Hal, uh, playing Mike Pryor, the basketball player with a girlfriend problem as well. And Holy his problem shit. is that his girlfriend's act- actively cheating on him with the actual school mascot, and he knows it, and he calls every woman a whore, and so he's the most likely red herring in the movie. Uh, yeah, everyone ignores the school mascot until they get a piece of the school mascot, and they're like, okay, you didn't make the team, but you made the cut. <laughs> Uh, we have Matthew Dunn playing Michael Benson, the actual school mascot who's screwing Mike's girlfriend. As Holy I said, shit. what is? It? Okay, wait. Yeah, this but is the, the mascot. Here's the thing: the Mike's girlfriend is actually they mentioned in the movie Matthew's uh, or, or Michael's uh, second cousin. So, and and she mentions that she likes Ew. him better because he's got a thicker ride. If you want to, you know. Ew. <laughs> 
so she's fucking her cousin just you know right in front of basically mike or whatever and like everybody keeps that and like her girlfriends are asking her like at certain points of the movie are you ever going to tell mike you know it's like it, we'll solve it. We'll resolve the issue. And she's literally like, you know, doing everything, but fucking the, you know, this other guy right in front of him at a party. So oh my God, uh, <laughs> we have Laura summer playing Jane. Who's the pot smoking scavenger hunt enthusiast. Uh, Carrick Glenn playing Kathy. Who's Jane's friend who ends up the wrong place, the wrong time as they always do. Um, she goes back looking for Jane and the killer's still around. So she gets taken out too. Uh, we have Lauren Marie Taylor playing Sheila Robinson, the scavenger hunt participant. Uh, Lois Robbins playing Leslie Peterson, Lynn's friend. And then Suzanne Barnes playing Don Sorensen, who is the hot girl that Teddy keeps er, hitting on and eventually hooks up with, even though she's got a boyfriend of her own. And, of course, you know, uh, things don't work out for either one of them because that's exactly the MO for the killer. Everyone's fucking everyone but the person they're with in this. Basically, well, Lynn is faithful, but that's pretty much it. So, yeah, one person. <laughs> uh, synopsis: uh, Do it University or Do it or whatever is having a scavenger hunt for the ladies to celebrate the men's basketball team winning the championship. The last time the school held a scavenger hunt, one of the students went insane with jealousy and killed his girlfriend, which is the head of campus security's daughter. Uh, so Hal Holbrook's daughter was the one that was murdered by the, the original killer. It just so happens that a copycat killer has surfaced and is killing the campus's unfaithful couples. <laughs> the school mascot uses a block of steak knives to simulate bear claws. Random hookups with side pieces are happening aplenty, and the killer is found out by arts and crafts. <laughs> and what I mean by that is literally Hal Holbrook's character sitting there in one of his many scenes or where he's just literally in an office by himself. And he happens to have a picture of the original killer, Dickie. And he starts thinking for a split second and he uses a pen that he's got to draw hair on top of Dickie. Oh my and God. It's just like the Barney, the, the one that ends up being the killer. Hope you enjoy the loving spoonful folks, because you're getting a plenty of it. Of it. So uh, body count's a respectable 10 in this movie, though. Wow, okay. Dickie hangs himself at the beginning of the movie. Uh, we have two grave diggers uh, who are actually interns or, or, or guess, uh, like resident nurses or something like that at the uh, asylum. Um, they're paid by Barney to bury her brother, uh, but then she turns around and stabs him to death uh, with a shovel. So, Wait uh, a second. Michael... I missed that. Uh, why... Is her nickname Barney? Uh, that's just, well, that's what name that she doesn't go by. Nobody knows that she's like the twin sister to Dickie. Mm -hmm. Like she is completely removed. So she just, at whenever they go to the local, you know, uh, uh, greasy spoon, basically it's, uh, specifically Teddy because like, he's always the one ordering like 15 hamburgers. He's like Jughead in this movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she's she goes by Barney to everybody there. Like, you know, oh, that's waitress Barney, you know? Okay. Don't know. That's just the name she picked. Okay. Uh, Michael Benson is stabbed in the chest by Barney. We have Jane who has her uh, neck mutilated by Barney with a multi knife paw. <laughs> uh, basically just kind of grabs the, the actress. And then like the next thing you see is there's blood. I mean, that's their way of cheapening out, not having to get too many gore. Uh, in this movie. 
We have Kathy, who's killed by Barney. Sheila, who has her neck mutilated by Barney with a multi-knife paw. Again, they, they go back to that same thing. And a lot of people killed off scene or screen, too. Um, Leslie's killed by Barney. Dawn is slashed by Barney with a multi-knife paw. And then Teddy is stabbed in the back by Barney right before Hal Holbrook um, confronts her. And that's the thing that is most disappointing about this movie because I will give them credit. They have good characterizations for all of the main actors in this movie. And it's, and the music's actually decent for, you know, these type of slashers. But when it gets to the end, it's like they totally forgot to write an ending because you have Hal, Hal Holbrook standing over these two dead kids or whatever, you know, um, and then the Barney's there and he's, and basically he's, you know, confronting her. And then she, you know, gives him a look like that, uh, you know, she's never going, that she's totally insane. And then it cuts away to her brother that she's been keeping in a freezer somewhere, uh, I guess in the greasy spoon. Blech. And that's how the movie ends. It There's no resolution to any of it. Grody. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to give this a Nick Cage rating of The Wicker Man. It's not a great film, but there are enjoy, enjoyable or enjoyably bad moments in it. Um, and it's and there's another thing I'm going to give ratings on some of the, the main movies that we're covering about, like I call it the Steve Buscemi, Hello Fellow Kids rating, like how well they actually look like, you know, whatever age they're supposed to be. Where they set this in college, the characters don't look that out of place. So okay. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, because we're going to talk about some high schoolers here in a minute. <laughs> that look like they're 30 or 40 years old. Yeah, and definitely air bunnies, quotation marks, for those high school students. Because, <laughs> And you don't realize it when you're younger. You think, oh, this is what a high schooler is supposed to look like. No, they're still fucking kids. They're not supposed to look like women. <laughs> Um, yeah, and um, like I'm gonna give credit to Scream. I mean, I know those actors and actresses, like you know, maybe were older than, but a lot of them were baby faced enough that they. Oh picked. yeah, no, they could 100%. get away with it. Height, height, and everything had nothing to do with it. They definitely, yeah, they they had even what's her name? Um, oh God, Rose McGowan. She had like a little bit of baby fat still on her. Yes, she still had the baby fat, so it looked natural. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. Like the, you can tell these are older women and men in this movie, but they, they look like late twenties, which still is appropriate enough to fit in with a college. Yes, so absolutely. Credit. Um, the next movie I'm going to cover for an attack of the bees, which is the first time we've done a two parter on this is hell high, AKA raging fury from 1989. So we're, running the gamut here on the decade. We've got one from the beginning and one from the end. Oh, this is the one you told me to watch, huh? Yeah. The one you told me to watch and I didn't listen. <laughs> it's This one's fun. This okay. one's actually really fun. Uh, tagline from this is where the students are dying to graduate. That's a good one. That's yeah, a good that's, one. That is pretty good. Uh, directed by Douglas Grossman, written by Leo Evans and Douglas Grossman. Music by Chris uh, Hyams, Hart, and Rich McCarr. Uh, we have uh, principal players is Christopher Cousins, who plays John John, a former football star who quit the team for unexplained reasons, and they never give those reasons. They just continuously say he was a coward, and then he quit the team, and 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 you really don't need a reason. That's that's the setting. I know the reason. Him. He was gay, and he wanted to have butt sex with every person on the team, and they were. <laughs> constantly turning him away and because he respected their boundaries he removed himself from the situation 
you know, they play him as a pretty pretty much a horn dog. So, like, I mean, yeah, for the guys. I mean, he, no, <laughs> it's for women. It's for women, and I'll get into that here in a minute. But I mean, he. But he's actually there's some respectable things about John John, even though he's kind of an outcast. He's the the best of the group, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, he was he was actually in episodes of Breaking Bad. Uh, he was in The Grudge too, and he's been in a tons of TV since then. As Christopher Cousins has. Okay. We have Maureen Mooney, uh, and also he's kind of the final girl, and I'll get into that. It, it, this movie doesn't re- like just like the last one where there's not really a final girl. Lynn never actually stands up to the killer, and this one um, there's. He doesn't really, I mean, he's more like a final girl than Lynn ever was in Girls Not Out. But, and I'll get into the ending a little bit on that later. But, like, it's, 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 this is kind of breaks conventions because it was late in the 80s. The slasher craze was very much dying out. That's the reason this got no play anywhere. Uh, people were t- kind of tired of it at that point, And, like, they were trying new things with this movie. Okay. Uh, Maureen Mooney plays Miss Brooke Storm, who's actually the slasher in the movie. Uh, she's a teacher with extreme PTSD that gets triggered throughout the or in the movie. Um, Christopher Stryker plays Dickens, who's the instigator of everything that happens in the movie, uh, an outright rapist, and uh, he's the the head of the outcast that John John gets mixed up with. Uh, but the actor. It strangely and sadly died that played Dickens died right after this film wrapped. Oh shit. This movie actually came out after he was, he was already, he had died. Like it was filmed in like 87 and it didn't actually come out till like, um, or it didn't come out to 89 and he died like a few months after the movie was over. That's crazy. Um, Millie Prezizia or Preziso, plays Queenie, uh, who is a, I mean, she is the quintessential eighties chick. Like if you remember any of the outfits from that time where they had just like random black, like ribbons holding their hair up and like just this, you know, odd clothing from the eighties. Like she stands in for that. Uh, she's one of the outcasts, the only female in the group. Uh, and she's a hoe, like straight, <laughs> straight up, show? Hoe, like she, Faux show. Like she, uh, the first thing she does is when she meets John John is let him know that like, she doesn't care about who she fucks. And then like, uh, she has him over to their, to her house at one point to pick her up. And she's like, wait a minute, I need to uh, look away. I need to change my top. Uh, to something else and he does the you know the proper oh, thing yeah. looks away because she says and when she he looks back she's just got her tits flopped out for <laughs> him, so <laughs> gotcha bitch <laughs> uh, um and that's one thing i'll give this movie it shows three different pairs of breasts like it knows what it's doing like oh it, god uh Catherine Rosetter plays coach Sandy Hand, which is hilarious when you look at that name, Sandy Hand. Sandy uh, Hand? Because, <laughs> yes, because she's a friend of Maureen, and it's very much hinted that she's a lesbian. So Sandy Hand and a lesbian. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, J.R. Holm plays coach Heaton, who's just a mean little man. And it's funny because I think this is – I don't remember where this is said at exactly, but of course the coach has to have a Southern accent because, you know, uh, coaches do apparently. And uh, we have Webster Winery playing uh, uh, the teen boy. Oh, wait, I forgot one more. Uh, 
we have Jason Brill playing Smiler, who's just a big old boy, an idiot, and one and the, the final outcast. So there's four in the group. Uh, Webster Winery plays a teen boy that just wanted to get some action in a shack in the swamp. And then Karen Russell plays a teen girl who cock-blocked her boyfriend and then died. So that's what she got, I guess. Okay. There's a lot going on. Yeah, so synopsis. Years after a young girl caused an accident that sent two local teens flying to their deaths, Brooke Storm is all grown up and one of the science teachers at a local school. So she was the little girl that killed these two teens. Uh, chronic anxiety and PTSD <clears throat> plague Miss Storm, and a group of four troublesome teenagers uh, are exacerbating her condition. Uh, determined to get revenge on Miss Storm for being a raging bitch, the teenagers attempt to scare the teacher and set off a series of killings that will forever change the small town. Uh, Cockblock teens get impaled on metal spikes, brains get unconvincingly mashed in, and trauma is a vicious cycle that begins anew. The teachers are tough, but their exams are murder. <laughs> Shut up. That's another one of the taglines. That's it's a good one. Either. That's not bad. No, I'm not <laughs> upset at all. Uh, so basically, just this movie is, is that, um, and by the way, Girls Not Out featured Ludacris in it. I didn't mention that, but apparently it was the very first appearance of Ludacris in a movie period, or at least according to some website I was on, and like Shut the image of him in the crowd. Uh, 19, 1982? Yeah, yeah. That's what they said. It could be some guy who looks like Ludacris, but I swear to God, it looks like a young Ludacris. So I, I don't know. I okay, mean, I hold on. I am looking this up right you can't, now. You can't find him anywhere else except on that one webpage. So I'm just saying that okay. that's what was mentioned. That's hella funny. Oh, um, it's yeah, anyways, it says so. Movie, oh, my God. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> In this movie, so basically it starts out and it shows this little girl who's playing out in the swamp and, like, she's got this shack that she goes to. Her mom tells her not to go out there. Uh, she goes out to play with her dolls. Uh, she hears some people come up, so she does a smart thing and she kind of sneaks out the back or whatever. Uh, it's like this kind of a greaser-type guy, you know, on a motorcycle with his girlfriend apparently uses that shack to fuck in. Yeah. Uh, his girlfriend thinks it's creepy, which it is. Uh, she refuses and she kind of senses that they're being watched because the little girl's watching her and that's the first pair of tits you see is because hers is flopped out. Um, she tells him they need to leave. They get on the motorcycle. They go to leave. The little girl comes out and she's pissed at because in the middle of that, he grabbed one of her dolls and like ripped the head off and like, uh -uh. threw it against the wall. So she gets a little pail that she's got and fills it full of mud. And it's like, he's driving back through. She like flings it into his face. Well, <clears> that <throat> causes him to go off the road and for some reason, in like this field next right to the road, they've got like these metal spikes. I don't even know what they're for, honestly. And they both land on them and they're dead. And she just runs off and like, you know, so that she doesn't acknowledge that she's there. Um, skip ahead. She's a science teacher. She's got a lot of anxiety issues, you can tell. Uh, she's teaching these hoodlums like you know basically you got like the, the all the outcast and john john's like kind of new in her class too and um and she basically has dickens like she calls him out on something and tells him that he needs to like uh, bring all the papers up and then like to ha so she can grade uh he throws him on the floor she uh yells at him and all that and then he gets pissed and that's kind of where he sets in that he's going to get back at her for just being a bitch yeah um they, um, they, him and John John go to her house, and that's the second pair of breasts you see in the movie because there's a big long scene of her like 
almost pleasing herself in the shower because, you know, I guess she's got to relieve tension somehow and she's not got a bad body, which, uh, both John, John and Dickens note and like make comment on. And, uh, so, but later in the movie, after they've all gained, uh, got back together, like that he keeps Dickens keeps bringing up, we need to go to the swamp and like Smiler says, no, we don't need to do this. And, and, but he convinces them anyways, cause that's what he does. And they go there and they collect a bunch of just like pond scum. It's brought it back basically amounts to, cause they're going to fling it at her house and then uh, kind of try to scare her on top of it. Uh, but when they do, it just so happens that, you know, the, she in her mind thinks that the, the dead or like somehow the ghost of the two teens are come back from the swamp to, you know, to come after her. So like she freaks out. Um, they have to, they end up, um, they think they kill her at one point because they, they, you know, she's like completely, uh, she, she flings, or they, they corner her at one point, she flings herself out of a window and then like she lays there dead. And so there's like a whole big long scene where they, uh, and this is after I, I forgot this, there's like point in the movie where she's, she's drugged because like she's freaked out. They've kind of hid for a second. The coach Sandy or whatever's over to visit her gives her like some Xanax or something like that to calm her down. And then like says that she'll check back in on her and like leaves. And then while she's kind of drugged, that's when Dickens comes in there and tries to fucking, you know, rape her basically at yeah. that point. Um, and that's when the, the other chick Queenie comes in there and for some reason, uh, she, she calls him all, uh, out of it and says that he shouldn't, you know, that's clearly crossing the line. But then whenever he challenges her, then she's like, well, I'll show you how to do this right. And so she per- does like almost the female version, like groping and stuff like that. And she's like, this is how you really do it. And of course, which makes Dickens just that much worse because it turns him on seeing the two of them together. And the teacher comes to her senses, uh, sees that she, you know, knows that she's, you know, uh, about to be raped or whatever. So she leaps out the second story window falls below. And then they think she's dead. Like they check her, like she's not moving. So they send John, John off to get like the, the gear of like the, the head of the football team to basically frame him for the thing. So they can get by with it. Yeah. Um, well, she comes to while John, John's gone, uh, brains Queenie with a uh, rock that she's got John, John finds Queenie, and it's, it's badly done. The, the, kind of the, the way that she does it. I mean, you can tell she's not really hitting Queenie. It's just like she's pressing down on her head with it or something. But yeah. Whatever. Uh, John John comes back, sees Queenie dead, uh, gets hit from the side by the, you know, uh, Miss Brooks or whatever. He gets knocked down a hill and just, I mean, but he's just knocked out. He's not really hurt. And then she ends up uh, stabbing a pencil with, that's in the, the body count here. She ends up stabbing a pencil through Smiler's head. Uh, through his temple and then uh, Dickens uh, she ends up stabbing in the chest with a butcher knife and then like ties him up that's whenever uh, uh, we have John John comes back and he comes in there and sees that he unties Dickens and then Dickens like happens to uh, or the two of them are like her, him and Miss Storm like kind of tussle she's got like a uh, like a fire uh, poker that she has at the time and, like, she gets knocked over, like, uh, the couch. Dickens, like, runs after her because he's going to finish her off, even though John John tells him to leave her alone. And, basically, he cuts her throat at the same time. He gets impaled on the fire poker, and then it just leaves John John. Like, he's the only one left. 
he does lay the that football player's like gear on top of all that, so he's scot free. Uh, the end of the movie shows that football player getting arrested while he's in while John John is in class. And then the last thing you see in the movie is like one of the teachers comes up and asks him like, you know, cause he, he's clearly out of it and he's just freaking out cause he just sees her turning to Miss Brooks, you know, kind of showing that he's like traumatized now. And then the movie ends with him screaming and that's how the movie ends. Oh my God. <laughs> when, and the, the interesting thing about this movie is the kills all take place in like the last 20 minutes. If that, I mean, they're quick. Like it's, I mean, it's like, over with and brutal. There's no stalking like there is in all the other slasher movies. It's like kind of like in real life when bad shit happens, it happens quick. And like, yeah. you're just, you know, <clears throat> so they kind of went that route with it. Much like um, a movie we're going to review today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty similar in that sense, too. That's what I thought was interesting about it. It's like, this is pretty close to another movie that we're reviewing in the sense that like all the kills are like back ended, like they're all like right at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but this movie, there's no red herrings. It's like you, you, I mean, and you have a little bit of empathy for Miss Storm because like, I mean, if the kids had left her alone, she wouldn't have freaked out. But then like, you know, and especially if she hadn't been almost raped by one of them. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to like hate her as the killer even, I mean, cause she had a reason for what she did. So. Yeah. Um, but there are six people who die in this movie. Like I said, the teen boy and girl off the motorcycle, Queenie with her head bashed in, Smiler with a pencil through his temple, Dickens stabbed in the chest with a butcher knife and then impaled, and then Miss Storm has her throat cut. Um, I would give this a Nick Cage rating Willie's Wonderland. I gave that before, oh, but I'm giving this for a different reason. I love the movie, but the ending is just a bit too abrupt. And yeah. it's a little unsatisfying because it's like they really do a good, like these are the most convincing high school students of all the movies that we covered or we will cover tonight. Like I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, they they did a good, the dialogue is natural. They even had like Joe Bob Briggs right before the movie that I watched, like kind of introduced it. And that's one of the things he mentions. It's got like some of the best, like authentic high school or like, you know, dialogue to make the characters seem the age they're supposed to be. And they look in the realm of what they're supposed to be. Dickens might seem a little older, but he also seems like the kind of person who would have failed, you know, behind several times. So that kind of fits. Um and I, and I liked everything that it was doing. I mean, it was, it's, I mean, even their mask, like when they go to scare her, they put on these like Halloween masks and they're very well done. They're like, I mean, they're, it's, it's, they would make good like slashers in their own rights if they use those masks for, you know, other purposes. Um, the only thing I didn't like was just that once the, the action hits, it's, it's quick. I mean, in, in retrospect, it's, it's actually a good thing because it's more realistic that way. It's just, it's when you're used to these slashers taking their time and then like everything happens the way it did in this one, it's just a little too, the ending comes a little too quickly. So, um, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's got, I mean, it, it's, it's the, there's like a music scene, like whenever the, the team is like trying to win like some kind of football game and then the gang of outsiders like rolls in on a, in a car or whatever and kind of rolls through the field in the middle of it and kind of like, uh, you know, disturbs everything to the cheers of the crowd. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of things in it that are, are that I that I thought were fun. So, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was one of the most fun watches of the whole movies we're doing, which is kind of a spoiler, but that, that's kind of how it was. It is what it is. 
Um, but anyways, are you ready to roll on to the main movies? I'm ready to roll. All righty. Uh, movie discussion number one, Prom Night from 1980. Uh, tagline, as children, they will play the killer's game. Now it's the killer's turn to play with them. That's uh, not bad. This one, it's not bad. <laughs> it's custom really long. This is what I'm remembering. This has some really long taglines, though, that I'll include here in a little bit. Um, directed by Paul Lynch, written by William Gray and Robert Guza Jr. Uh, music by Paul Zaza and Carl Zittrer. Uh, budget of one point five million. It made fourteen point eight. I mean, not terrible. No, and I think that's the reason this movie ended up getting sequels is because it made oh my pretty decent. God, this movie got sequels. Yes, uh, and the sequels are interesting because they have nothing to do with this mm. first movie. Like the second one, I told you I'd try to watch it, but I never got around to the time to rewatch it again. But like I did watch part of it this morning before we we got on here to, and it's just it's it's so bad it's good type movie. The second one is because it starts out and there's this one chick in 1957 who uh, she, the very first thing you see ever is she's, and, and it's called Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Lou, and her name's Mary Lou Malone. But, like, she's going into confessional booth, and she tells the priest that she's been with a lot of boys. Ah, uh, like I a see. lot. She emphasizes, and she's done a lot of things with them. And he's like, oh, my God, that's a terrible sin. And she's like, and you know what the worst of it is, Father? I don't regret any of it. And that's how, like, the very first scene, you know, like, kind of kicks off. And then it goes... And this is in 1957, mind you. And it goes to the prom, and she's there with a guy who he looks like he's 40 years old. Ah! Like, I mean, he's he's got balding all the way up his head, you know, and uh, and and he's like a total like straight laced like you know nerd type, and you can tell that that's not the type she would be with. And she uh, she tells him to go get some punch, and she'll be right back. Or and and he says I'll be right back. She's like okay, I'll uh, I'll be waiting for you. And she's not. She sees like another guy at the party that that's drunk, and she wants to get freaky with. So she sneaks backstage with him, uh, and she's telling him whenever right as her boyfriend like sees her doing this that she's only with the other guy because his dad's rich and he treats her good. And, uh, and, but she's with him because he's got the biggest, you know, <laughs> piece of meat in the, in the, you know, of the, of their class. And so she's sitting there basically riding him as she tells him this stuff. The boyfriend gets pissed. They kind of leave. Uh, he goes in the bathroom. Uh, somebody, some practical jokers leave like the smoke bomb there he picks it up. He crawls on top of stage in kind of like a reverse carry moment. He sets fire to that, drops the, the her jilted boyfriend, drops it down. It happens to catch her fire on dress and or and or her dress on fire, and like she she dies right in front of everybody, like she's burned alive. Skips ahead so many years. It's the eighties, clearly, and this one chick is like the main character, the final girl, and she's like the you know straight laced as you can get, like Christian girl. Her mom's overly Christian, so that's kind of a thing. And uh, she's wanting to get like a better prom dress for her boyfriend, and she happens to like for some reason decides to go down to the prop department because they're also like she's working on prom and they're theming it after 1957 which is weird because your school had somebody die literally that year why would you think but whatever <laughs> and she's downstairs in this trunk where that dress has been kept for all these years for whatever god knows what reason and by the way the jilted boyfriend's now the principal and his oh. hair's even farther up his head so okay. there's that but um she's 
she's down there and of course like the trunk opens up on its own and it's it's the vengeful spirit of mary lou and the rest of the movie is that like she starts possessing the main character and like having her she becomes way more sexual she starts killing people without even realizing it uh well actually some i think some of the people die like uh, mystically like they're like like one of the characters is like the quintessential 80s chick that looks almost like queenie and like she starts getting bad vibes in the school and like uh and because she's got a psychic like link or whatever to the supernatural the mary lou's spirit in particular like targets her and like pushes her out of a window and like mm. the rest of the movies like that like she's they're getting got the killed left and right. <laughs> um question <laughs> so the dress was still intact even though she caught on fire yeah, miraculously, it was like, uh, and it's not, and I don't even know if it's charred in the movie. That's the thing. It's like it's somehow, uh, I don't know if it's due to Mary Lou's like evil spirit or whatever, but it's reformed itself. So okay, all right, it's like Christine, uh, but no a dress. Yeah, that's the thing with Prom Night 2. There's no logic to any of it, but you're watching it, and, like, they went for it. Like, the acting is over the top. It's like the kills are over the top. It's It's a fun, bad watch, so... Good God. Uh, if you ever get a chance, that, that one's worth looking at. But we're talking about Prom Night in 1980, which is a totally different movie. <laughs> is it Prom Night? Because I think, for some reason, I think I downloaded the wrong movie, and I felt like I was watching Saturday Night Fever. Yes, you were. Uh, that's the thing about Prom Night. <sighs> Made in 1980, but you can tell that, it, or actually it was released in 1980, but you can tell it's made in 79. Oh, yeah. good God, the disco in this movie, like, is blatant. The disco <laughs> killed me in this film, not the kills. <laughs> it is, uh, you're watching it, and, like, especially the dance number, like, later on, and it's just like, oh, my God. And and they're playing, like, the prom night theme during the disco, like, music, and, oh, my God. We'll get into it. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is your final girl in this movie, playing Kimberly Hammond. Um, of course, they had to get her after the Halloween success, so that's why she's in this. I think it's why it did so well, too, is because you had that recognizable Scream Queen name, and good for her, you know? Yeah. Um, looking, we'll get into it, but looking way too old to be a high schooler, but yes. like Yeah! I mean, the fir- Can I just talk about the first scene real quick? Like, literally one of the first scenes where they're standing over a grave, and I'm like, oh, she looks sophisticated as fuck, and then I find out she's a fucking high school student, and I'm like, holy shit, she looks too old to be a college student. Yeah, she looks older than a college student. I will 100% agree with you. And it's funny because this wasn't made that much longer, you know, farther out from Halloween, but she looks younger in Halloween. So it she does. Fits that she's a high schooler in that one. <laughs> God. Uh, Michael Tuff uh, plays Alex Hammond, who is the slasher, the fraternal twin to uh the final girl and the cross and a cross dresser apparently oh yes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> go ahead oh no 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 i'm just agreeing with you i was like yes i forgot you're like cross dressed and i had to think for a minute i was like oh wait a second yeah i get it yeah, now. when she pulls the mask off he's got lipstick on and the only thing i can think is that he was trying well actually he's a fraternal twin to the dead girl he's not the fraternal twin to jamie lee curtis but like he's trying to let make everybody think that his dead sister has came back and doing the kills so he dresses up as her apparently or something um 
Uh, Michael Tuff did come back and, and star in another movie, actually one of the first by James Wan, which is Dead Silence, Ooh. which is a killer puppet. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> uh, we have Casey Stevens playing Nick McBride, who is a, the good guy boyfriend to Kim uh, and then the ex to Wendy. Um, Leslie Nielsen, yeah, <laughs> playing Mr. Hammond, the school principal and the father to the final girl and the sl- and the slasher. Uh, weird turn for Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I, mean, I know he. I know he was a dramatic actor way before he ever got into any of the like you know, uh, Zucker Brother movies and and all that. But like, it's just so weird seeing him in a non comedy role. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I- it's funny because you know it's Leslie Nielsen, but you have to still Google, is this Leslie Nielsen? Uh, spoiler alert, it was. But I was just so fucking surprised. He's also one of those guys like Steve Martin that I don't think ever had any hair color besides white, which I, I know I've seen pictures of him with dark black hair, but like his hair turned white like super early in his yeah. life or something. Oh, yeah, so. even Noah said. Noah's like, he's always looked old. And I was like, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Um, we have, uh, Robert A. Silverman playing Mr. Sykes, the perverted school janitor, and he's very perverted. Yeah, and it's like, they just overdo it, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's so perverted that he would get, he would be on a list and, like, not be able to be within 50 feet of a school, yeah. you know, at all. Like, I mean, that's how perverted this guy is. They just did, like, the, they did the quintessential, like... This is what a pervert looks like. They really went out with making him look the role, act the role, and like something was definitely off with him. So they was, went for it. They were setting him up as a red herring. Oh, like yeah, I for said. sure. I don't feel like none of the red herrings in any of these movies ever worked, but they were setting him up as being one of them. I didn't, yeah, they did, but I didn't think it was him. I don't know why. And maybe because it was just too out there. I don't know why it never took for me either, but I think it's just because, like, I, you know, it was a little too obvious, you know, yeah, that no, he would be one. 100%. Uh, George uh, Tuliatos uh, plays, I guess that's how you say that, plays Lieutenant McBride, who is Nick's dad, uh, cop, and the Doom Prophet of the movie. <laughs> uh, Tammy Bourne plays young Robin Hammond, who's the tragic victim of a prank. Uh, Mary Beth Rubens plays Kelly Lynch, who's the prude of the of her social group, uh, cock blocker, as it were. Uh, Joy Thompson plays jo- Jude Cunningham, who's the pot smoking hoe. That- <laughs> uh, she was in another uh, movie that's uh, I think it was like a teen comedy type movie called Baker County, USA. Uh, Sheldon Rabowski plays Seymour Slick Crane. And he has a sick van, yo. Oh, my God. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Chubb's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it was different times. I don't know. I mean, like, normally the back in the 80s, like, the, you know, like, if you were a fat kid, you got made up, made fun of pretty bad. But I guess if you were uh, just depending upon, like, what kind of personality you had, because Seymour was working it and nobody seemed to call him out on it. Well, he also had a cool van, too. So. That's true. I don't know how he afforded that van. I, I, he, I was How did that really fucking worried. bitch afford a Corvette? <laughs> she true. had a T-top Corvette. Oh, you talking about Wendy? Yeah. 
Well, Wendy's a rich bitch. That's, yeah. that's how she, uh, 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 Anne Marie Martin, uh, who starred in this movie under the pseudonym Eddie Benton for some reason. Okay. Uh, I guess so that people wouldn't associate her with this movie. Uh, they used to do that sort of thing so they could get more, you know, they wouldn't be pigeonholed in, but also so that they could be more legitimate whenever they did their daytime dramas, you know, on soap operas and all that. Uh, but she plays Wendy Richards, uh, who is the hot manipulative bitch in this movie. And apparently comes from a, a wealthy family. Um, she was in Savage Harvest, uh, The Boogans, and Halloween 2, uh, opposite Jamie Lee Curtis. So oh, they okay. were in a couple movies together. Uh, and then David Mucci plays Lou Farmer, the school bully, a pervert slash stalker. Uh, he was also in Unforgiven, which is a kick-ass Western, and Half-Baked of all things. So I think he played like a cop in that movie, which is the op- complete opposite of what he played in this. <laughs> Uh, synopsis, some kids are playing hide-and-seek in a creepy old abandoned convent. Uh, when the kid sister of one of their classmates tries to join, the older children decide to play a prank that turns deadly. All of the older children decide, or let's see, all of the children vow to never speak about what happened, and the little girl's death is blamed on another man. Skip ahead six years, and those same children are about to attend their senior prom. The supposed killer of little Robin Hammond gets loose from the mental hospital, and the prom night killings begin. Throats are cut with mirror glass. Shagging wagons explode like Ford Pintos. <laughs> <laughs> and heads go rolling at the disco-themed prom. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that, that's pretty bad, I think, but whatever. Uh, body count is respectable eight. Okay, um, yeah. We have Robin, who's, you know, it was an accidental death, but falls out of the pane of glass. Uh, those kids were a bunch of assholes, by the way. Uh, I mean, I know Nick kind of like tried to be, you know, nice about it. And then yeah. like, Wendy, of course, being the, you know, bitch that she is, told everybody to shut up. But like still, he, he contributed. Yeah. Uh, we have an unnamed female victim who's found dead, uh, possibly stabbed with a broken piece of glass by Leonard Murch uh, after he breaks out from the mental hospital, even though he has nothing to do with anything else in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's the first red herring. He's the one that the Doom Prophet keeps bringing up. You know, it's like, it's Leonard Murch. It has to be. He's back. Um, Which Kelly they never Lynch even has- show him, really. Well, I guess they do a little bit in the hospital. But like, like that, it's like for one scene, like yeah, they don't build enough on him that you're like, oh, that's definitely him. You're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so someone's killing some kids, um, <laughs> and and why would he go after those kids anyways? Like, how would they? I mean, you know, like because I think it was it wasn't even the kids that said that that he uh, that to my knowledge that said that he did it. Uh, I think that it was like. Um, it was Leslie Nielsen's character who came by later and just assumed that it was Leonard Murch. Done, well, they you know, found like, him standing. So yeah, I, somehow they found him standing over the girl's body after she had died. And they they said, oh, he's a known child rapist in the film. And so they assumed that he had raped and killed her. And obviously nothing was said about that specifically. But, like, you kind of build up, oh, okay, well, this guy's standing over her dead body. Nobody else was seen. Um, and he's a known child rapist, so he's the one who did this. However, um, okay, great, he gets put away. So then you're supposed to think that when he escapes that he came back to kill the kids because those kids were the ones who did it. 
And clearly they're the reason he's in jail for nothing. And it's like, well, bruh, you're a known child rapist. So. Yeah. Like there was nothing that they set up that made me at, at any point in time think that it was him as Mm-mm. the killer. Like just not. Yeah. I mean, I thought for a second, I was like, oh, okay, won't make sense. Like they're the reason his life is ruined. And I was like, wait a second. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, he was already on that path anyways. Yeah. Uh, we have Kelly Lynch who has her throat slit by Alex Hammond. Uh, Jude Cunningham, who is stabbed in the throat by Alex Hammond. Uh, Seymour Crane is incinerated in a car crash caused by Alex Hammond. God, I love that death so much. It's so bad, but so good. It's the only part of the movie that I was like, yes. Wait, which one? <laughs> Seymour's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You spend 10 minutes with fucking Seymour half because he, he mentioned he doesn't have his glasses or something. Yeah. I think there's like he, he mentions that he can't see without them. And he's sitting there trying to drive while the killer's like trying to get inside the car or in the van. And like he keeps in the same field just doing donuts. Yeah. Trying to throw this guy out. Does that for 10 whole fucking minutes. And then all of a sudden, like the killer like gets him close enough to the cliff, jumps off. And then you see Seymour. And even before, even before yes. the fucking van hits anything, it blows up. It blows up like, midair, which by the way, the <laughs> tiniest cliff in the history of ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, like, got maybe, it's, like, 20 feet down or something. Yeah. Like, and, and, the, and I was, like, I love this because this reminds me of all the 80s, like, bullshit explosions yeah. that I remember seeing as a kid. Like, as soon as the car went off the cliff, like, fire everywhere. I'm it like, was a yes. good explosion, but it was just a little too soon. But you can't duplicate it, so I get it. You know, it was like, and ah, face, fuck it. And his face in that scene, it, and it was probably a dummy or something, it is so hilariously bad. Like, you see it for long enough, and it's yeah. just like eyes are bugging out. It's so good. It's for the wrong reasons, but it's good. Yeah, well, um, and here's the thing, too. The only thing they were missing from this scene is the killer walking away from the explosion slowly uh, without a care in the world. <laughs> that or having the killer kind of like stare off at the like flaming wreckage down at the bottom of the cliff or whatever you know because that, that used to be a thing in the scenes too where somebody would die and then somebody would be standing and you just see the silhouette you know panned off to either the right or left side over their shoulder as they're like staring down you yeah know, and they walk away that that's the only thing that was missing from it fucking gimp <laughs> We have Wendy Richards, the rich bitch, hacked to death with an axe by Alex Hammond. That was the longest body. fucking kill ever as well. Like, that just took so long. Yeah, she's, like, running repeatedly. She's, like, locking stuff behind her. It's, you know, it's, like, it, it's, there's a lot of back and forth. It's, like, she takes forever to die. Yeah, the hiding in the car was hilarious. It was cute. <laughs> <laughs> we have Lou Farmer, who's just straight up decapitated with an axe. Um, that was uh, the better looking kills, because we got some bullshit in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I appreciate a good decapitation, yes. and they did a good job on the the prop head afterward, yeah. too. Like 100%. Too uh, and then, of course, Alex Hammond himself, which is hit over the head with an axe, uh, and then bleeds out. Like, that's, yes. that's it. Like, he... You know, it, and they did it just long enough so that he could basically, you know, tell his sister, you know, why he did it. Yeah. You know, oh, he it. fucking spills the fucking tea. <laughs> and like, I was there. I was there when she died. I saw the body. Did you see? Okay. Did you see him there? Because I don't remember seeing him there. To where he would uh, somebody seen it. says if you look, you can see a shadow over top of her body right before it cuts away to Leslie Nielsen later. But like you do see, 
like a shadow like and it's and but they that's all they show just so they can keep it like you know who who's the shadow oh know? okay and that makes sense because i thought the shadow was the serial killer or not the serial the serial rapist that they arrested because they said that they found him at the scene looking at the child and i was like yeah that's the person that walked over and looked at her i saw the shadow yeah, her brother <clears throat> apparently walked up after he told her that he's like, you know, fuckity bye or whatever, like whenever he said that he was just going to leave, you know, and she could go play or, you know, because he knew that she wouldn't get to play with the, the older kids anyways. Yeah. Like he leaves her and then, but <clears throat> apparently came back just check on her and that's when he found her that way. And he was, fuck, okay, so she was like six years old and so that would have made him like five or four four and no, she was uh, they're fraternal twins so she would have been six he would have been six and she would have been six they no he was age. fraternal twins with the i thought he was oh he's fraternal twins with the girl that died i thought he was twins with jamie lee curtis no no so he wasn't actually a senior in this movie he would have been like a junior or whatever, okay or, or, or actually probably maybe even a sophomore or something okay so they were both like you know six ish years old or something no 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 probably older maybe even older because obviously she was older than the kids when she died uh what point i'm getting it is that a six or seven year old held that in didn't tell the police and kept all that rage just to come out at prom to murder these kids specifically on that date like i'm the math isn't mathing <laughs> yeah I, I don't know why they chose the prom or why he chose the prom is the exact day to do it i mean i know why the movie people yes. chose prom but i mean i don't know why he waited until that because i mean it had nothing to do with how she died i mean yeah at least in girls not out it happened on the same night as the scavenger hunt that makes sense yeah you know, like that's what <clears throat> barney was going after but like i don't understand in this one like why he chose the prom is like the reason that finally i'm going to get my revenge um quotes in this movie kim uh you seem a little anxious wendy by the way are you who are you going uh, with tonight and wendy says it's not who you go with honey it's who takes you home what a hoe and uh that line is the only line that links all of the prom night movies together and mary lou says that to her jilted boyfriend right before she gets burned up uh, he looks at her and he's like you came here with me and she says the same exact thing she's like it's not who you go with honey it's who takes you home slut <laughs> <laughs> uh alex uh kim sprays him with perfume uh don't do that i smell like the inside of a lady's room and kim's like how and how would you know what the lady's room smells like it doesn't smell good guys i'm here to tell you women are well, fucking disgusting but also <laughs> this is the movie basically looking at the audience and saying you know who the killer is now right oh just God. told you <laughs> that he was in the ladies room that, that's our killer thank yeah. you Jude, who are you? Slick. Seymour Crane, but they uh they call me Slick. <laughs> like <clears throat> when okay, here's the thing is back in the day, usually the fat guy was made to be the creeper a little bit, and they did not do that. They made him He the, was in the creeper van though. He was in the creeper van. But like what's her name was all about it. Like she was like, oh, Okay, she was all over that dick, and not know, only that... that's that's the thing that I couldn't figure out. That's why I called her a pot smoking hoe. Like she totally was just like, "All right, uh, all right, I'll take your free ride, and I'll give you a free ride." That's literally how she was. Like, I mean, honey, you, know... you are a piece. It's the it's the fat guys that are are easy, not you. Holy shit! She gave me uh very much the vibes of like some of the characters from like um 
specifically Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, like the free-loving hippie, you know, that would fuck anybody that yeah. showed up in their van. She gave me that sort of vibe is what, what she yeah, was Yeah, I mean, he probably had weed. She knew he had weed because he had that van. Okay, that's fine. I can respect that. I mean, I, I am in particular a chubby chaser, so <laughs> I had no problem with this. But I'm like, okay, but that was me. And in high school, I wasn't allowed to feel that way because you weren't supposed to like the fatties. You know, that meant you were gross. And I was like, oh, she, well, uh, she didn't give a fuck. <laughs> no no self-respect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right from the get-go. She was just like, hey, I'll hop in your van. And he's just like, all right, baby. Hopped in that in. van and hopped on that dick. <laughs> yeah, she sure did. Uh, Vicky, Mr. Sykes, this is just for you. And then Vicky proceeds to pull down in, uh, her pants and moan Mr. Sykes, which... I don't know if you want to bait the, uh, the you know, the school rapist, but, I mean, she did. Yeah, so she absolutely go. did that. It was disgusting. A cute little butt, by the way, because I was expecting, <laughs> like, you know, the, a bony little butt because she was so skinny. She had some cheeks going on. It was cute. It wasn't massive or anything. Yeah, she she had she had a decent white girl ass. We'll give her credit for that. And then the teacher just barely uh, reprimanded her, which is hilarious. At different times, folks. I yeah. mean, like uh, probably better times in some ways. Uh, other taglines, and that's the reason I say these taglines, they're not taglines, they're novels. Uh, okay. This is the first one. Oh, God, it's these huge. Are the girls, these are the girls of Hamilton High. Tonight, they will be more beautiful than ever before in their lives because tonight is prom night, and someone has to come to the prom alone just to watch them dance, to see them fall in love, to see them die. That's all one. That's all one. That's if, all one tagline. On a VH cassette, this would have taken the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> it would have. There'd been no picture of Jamie no. Curtis. Uh, everyone in the senior class has a date for prom night, but someone has come to the prom alone. Someone who watches in the empty corridors. Someone who follows silent and unseen. Someone who waits until no one can help. <laughs> <laughs> There's Holy a special God. night in the lives of us all, a night we can break all the rules and make our own, prom night. For some, it's the end of innocence. For others, it's the end. Okay, that one's shorter. Yeah, it's getting better. It'll only uh, take in half the cassette. <laughs> Jude is going to the prom. Wendy is going to the prom. Kelly is going to the prom. But for each of them, it's going to be a night they will never live to forget. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's bad. Um... These are short, though. A killer waits at the high school dance. That's just it. A killer waits at the That's high it. school dance. Okay. Uh, dot, dot, dot. Someone will be crowned. Others will lose their heads. Okay. I mean, and then, yeah. <laughs> the Finally, the night someone came to the prom alone. And that is a direct ripoff of Halloween. Oh, is it? Yeah, the night he came home is Halloween's tagline. So this one's the night someone came to prom alone. Oh my god! <laughs> they knew what they were doing with Jamie Lee Curtis and in you know their general area. So, um, the one that I chose for the tagline <clears> for this <throat> is way better in my oh opinion, yeah for anyways. sure. Uh, visually, what do we think about this movie? Visually, the kills were meek but everything else in this film was pretty legit for the times like the colors of the dance the lighting of the film especially when you're having a sex scene in the middle of fucking nowhere if you will um just i mean 
pretty fucking good. Um, the only thing I have a problem with, and it maybe it's the the because I, I I was watching the Synapse Blu-ray of this, and I'm sure at some point in the future they're going to come out with an HD version of this because they always do, and I hope they go back and they clean up whatever sources they have. The, the particular version that I watched seemed like it had a lot of like fuzz going on, like in the exteriors, like the scenes were like, they had that effect you always have when you want something to look like it's a dream, you know, that fuzzy like look or whatever, like the, the perimeters where it's like, Oh, this is a beautiful dream. And it kind of fits the movie in a sense. Cause it's the prom and everybody thinks, Oh, this is going to be a wonderful time. But it's just like, it was a little weird, like seeing it. Like, yeah. You know. The beginning was like that, like back in the day it was, it had that <laughs> effect on it. Um, by the way, you want to know where I watched this? Where, where did you watch it? Uh, Death Holler's very own Shutter account. It's on Shutter. Uh, I figured it was. Yeah. <clears throat> and I would be surprised if, well, I don't know if Graduation Day would be on there because that's different. But anyways, uh, yeah, Prom Night's pretty prominent. Uh, Tubi has it on there as well. Um, I wanted I, it sounds commercial, though. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Yeah. I, I, that's better when you can get that. So um, I definitely enjoyed it watching on uh, Shudder. But um, these kills were, were very bleak. Like, there was nothing to them. But I guess yeah. it kind of makes sense. I mean, we're talking about just a, a high schooler. Like, how creative are they going to get? Well, it's the creativity, but also it's like 1980. I don't think... Uh, Friday the 13th has came out. Savini's not like, you know, revolutionized. I mean, I think this is solely based on Halloween. And Halloween has some pretty bloodless kills. I mean, um, when you go back and watch the original movie. So yeah. it, it, it's aping that. So I guess it, it moved it up a notch slightly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's tough going back to like seeing kills like this after you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street because, I mean... You have friggin' people turning the roaches and getting crushed. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a step back. But I think, well, just, I mean, we always talk about lighting and all that. It was, there was times where it was like natural lighting. So, I mean, but it wasn't too badly done. It didn't look, you know, like, I mean, like any kind of independent film, like whenever they're cheaply done and the nighttime scenes were surprisingly well done. I thought, I mean, they, they were lit well enough, but they looked like nighttime scenes. Yeah. Uh, which is where they really fuck up in a lot of, and graduation day has that when we get into it, it, you can clearly tell it's, it's daytime out in that movie at one point, And like, they just darken like the scenes around the, the actress that's in the, you know, the forefront of the screen just to make it look like it's nighttime. Yeah. Um, uh, story. It's this almost plays like a jello to me. Like it's more of that than it is like a straight up slasher. I mean, it is a slasher. Yeah. But like, you've got the, you've got the mask killer. Who's literally just wearing a hockey mask or not hockey mask, but like a, like a ski mask and uh and like leather gloves and that's like the hallmark of jallos like almost every single one of them had like some black mask on and like leather gloves i mean that's that's like it you know so um and uh, which graduation day is pretty much the same in that sense yeah uh <clears throat> and then i mean uh, the, we've already discussed it but i don't understand i mean outside of they clearly they wanted a movie based around some you know holiday uh, or some kind of event to kind of give it its own name. Cause Halloween, you know, obviously is Halloween. So they wanted, you know, some other, but I don't understand the motivation for why prom night. 
Um, hold on. I'm looking something up. I have a, I have an idea, but I think I'm wrong. Okay, I'm not too far off. Um, I wonder when they started filming this. I don't know if you have that in trivia or not, but Saturday Night Fever was a hit. It came out in 1977, and this came out three years later. Uh, it, it came out three years later, but I think it was filmed in 79, so if I remember So two right. years max, you know, uh, from when Saturday Night Fever, I think they were trying to, and Disco was obviously dying or dead by this point, which is weird. Yeah, but, Disco had like the shortest half-life of, or, you know, like shelf life of any, um, basically any fad because it like hit like mid-70s and was gone and dead and hated by the, you know, early 80s. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I, it's like they were trying to have, it's like they were trying to have like a, a cool dance hit, uh, which is, we, we've seen so many movies in our heyday in the 90s, early 2000s, where there's a high school dance and there's like this huge dance breakout. Nobody ever fucking did that at any of our proms. I don't know if that happened at yours. Mm-mm, I'm gonna no. yeah. I was about to say I'm gonna go on a woman's say it did not. If it's not happening in California, where fucking we have filming in Hollywood and shit like that, it's definitely not happening out there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just gonna throw it out there. But so I think they were trying to have that kind of a hit, and it's like, oh, this is a really good movie, and then kills on top of it, and the two, in my opinion, didn't go together very well. I'll agree with you on that. I'm just saying if you look, if I mean, like we've talked about contextually within the story itself, I don't understand the killer's motivation for the prom being like the time that he suddenly decides to do what he's doing. Like, no. I mean. There wasn't. I, there was no good explanation. It was just like, let's do, let, I mean, it makes, we know that it's good to have a holiday in a horror film uh, or yeah. some kind of event. Yeah, because you can label it that and like you know it's like okay i've got this staked off like you yeah know, th- this is you <clears> know <throat> the holiday that i've claimed like valentine's day or whatever mm-hmm. so um the only thing that that kind of makes sense within the, the context of the story is that that happens to coincide coincide right when merch like breaks out so maybe that's what spurred alex on to do what he's doing but they don't really establish that you know that that he was waiting for something like a sign as it were and when merch breaks out he's like all right you know he's he's broke out he'll be blamed for the kills i'll get revenge you know maybe that's but the only thing that makes any sense. They did, yeah, they didn't, they just didn't, they had a lot of opportunity to explain some things they didn't. I think they're just like, they just slapped a film together, um, unfortunately. Uh, they And a lot of it was filmed very well. You know, I think they could have, Giallo is the best way to describe this film because, oh my God, I was thinking that, especially with <laughs> when, what's her name, Wendy was running and she got slashed, I want to say in the arm. It was this, her scene was a little hard. It was pretty dark, still filmed really dark, well. Yeah. I would say they still did an amazing job with filming. You could see what was going on. But um, I think she got slashed in the arm and at some point she's bleeding and it's just dripping and it's super, super thick, which just like some of the Giallos we watched. Yeah, uh, and it and it it fits more of that than it to me than a slasher. But like I said, this is early in the slasher, so I mean it's it, it's hard to judge it based upon that. And like I said, if you go to prom night two, it's like full on like revengeful ghost slasher, and like it fits all of the hallmarks of those movies at that point. So. Yeah. <clears throat> 
so I, I'll give it a pass. It's just like, you know, it's, it's, but it's because it's early on. It's just like story-wise, it's more jello than it is anything else. Yeah. Um, do we have, I have a question. Uh, do we have more wedding slashers? And the way, the reason I say more is because the only thing I can think of, there's actually a film called Wedding Slashers. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, because we have that one film, um, I, what is it called? We both liked it a lot where uh, it was the wedding night and she, they're playing that game, hide and seek basically, or they all have to like kill her. And if she survives, she's a part of the family. Oh, that's, uh, oh yeah, ready or not. Ready or not, okay. So is there other wedding slasher films? Well, I that one's I don't know that one's a weird one. I don't know if I I guess it, it that one crosses because it's a slasher, but like you know, kind of spoilery saying this, it's got supernatural elements to it, like yeah. ready or not does. Um, uh, I'm not looked to see if there's any that are technically based around weddings. I'm sure there probably were. I mean, like you know, jilted lovers would make like a perfect you know uh, setup. I mean, obviously with all the ones we've seen for like you know. Uh, a slasher to, to uh, the MO for the slasher, but I don't recall any off the top of my head just like thinking about it. Because that's, I mean, that's a good thing to catch on. So the only thing that comes up is a film called Wedding Slashers where the tagline is, here comes the blood instead of the bride. <laughs> oh my God. And then um, there is, uh, and then of course there's Ready or Not. Those are the only films that come up. So no one has really capitalized on that. Because uh, I've never heard of wedding slashers, and they got an IMDb rating of three out of ten. So, yeah, it's it's pretty low. Um, yeah, I think that one's one that can uh, definitely be tapped by anybody who's uh, got a good idea for one. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> that was a, a rant. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the acting in this movie, I'll give them credit. The acting's not terrible in this. I mean, for a low budget movie, I mm -hmm. mean, you obviously got Jamie Lee Curtis bringing things up, Leslie Nielsen bringing things up. I mean, you know, he's oh yeah, <clears throat> classically trained actor. So I mean, he's good for what he is in it. Uh, the actors playing Seymour's a little hammy, but he, I think the character's supposed to be so. Yeah. Uh, um, I can't really. I mean, like, I, I know, like Lou is like more of a like a stereotype type character, but he plays the part well. And then Wendy, I mean, like she's that actor does pretty good actress does a pretty good job with that character. So I can't really complain about the acting in this really. Yeah. I don't think I have any complaining about the acting. My biggest complaint was probably lack of a storyline, which is our next uh, thing. But I think we've covered that pretty well. And the lack of storyline, lack of direction and, you know, the meager kills. Yeah. The, the, the story kind of being threadbare just to like piece together the kills, uh, and not really like having a good motivation for mm -mm. why I promise the, the setting, um, the kills are pretty anemic, just typical slashing the throat and all that, which yeah. is more jello <laughs> than it is, you know, a lot of, uh, good slashers at least, uh, the, the music. Oh my God. The disco music. <laughs> did you have a hard time with it? Because I actually did not mind it. I mean, it's disco. I, I'm not a fan of disco, but. I laughed my ass off. Oh, my I God. Like, I thought know, the dancing but... was more cringe than the music. I thought the music was pretty exciting. And it made me wonder if back in the day, uh, dances were really this lit. I think they were. 
because my high school dances were pretty good. They were pretty elaborate. We paid a lot of money to have decent dances that I went to. Um, no, no random dances or group dances got broken out, but okay. that's besides the point. But now it's getting worse and worse every year. Like kids don't want to get dressed up to go to dances anymore. Um, no one dances at dances anymore. They go to, which is fine. They, they go just to have fun and hang out though. It's insane. I can see that. Although there has been like, uh, I've seen like Facebook posts from people like, you know, posting their kids prom or whatever. And, these kids are decked out to the nines, so I don't know. It maybe depends on the area too. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's it's still a thing around here. Like they're, I mean, and it's and it's crazy too because like you're seeing some of these pictures, and it's like I mean these like you know younger women look like fashion models, and and that oh goes God. back to what we were. I mean, like something I was going to bring up anyways. It's hard judging these like. 30 to 40 year old looking people playing like teenage, which I know they weren't that old. They were in their twenties, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> but somebody brought this up. It's like, why do people uh, of previous generations and, you know, look older than, you know, like we do now. And it, it's, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Know, because uh, I, I think it had a lot to do with like smoking too, like a prematurely aging the skin, you know, like, I mean, that had a lot to do with it. Um, but like it did, like you go back and look and it's like high schoolers back in the, you know, like seventies, eighties looked older than high schoolers do now. And like, I mean, I don't know if skincare is better, whatever you want to say, but like, I mean, it's, it's night and day and it's, so it's hard to judge. You like see these and it's like they're older than dirt, but like that might be, you know, closer to what they looked like back in the day, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and then, I mean, like, <laughs> I, the funniest meme I've seen lately that kind of backs you up is the <laughs> Steve Martin and Diane Keaton playing 40-year-olds in, what's, oh, yeah. what's that movie? Uh, it's the one where they have all the kids, right? The, mm, um, they don't have, no, not where they have all the kids. Um, it was the one where his daughter's getting married. Father of the Bride. Uh, Father of the Bride, yeah. They were playing like 40, 40 to 45-year-olds in the films a, 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 along the span of the films because there was like, what, two or three films? There, There's a meme, too, that somebody had, and it was like, um, it was similar to that. It wasn't Steve Martin. It was uh, somebody else, but it was like, I mean, this actor looked like, you know how Wilford Brimley always looked to us back in the day? Yeah. Well, actually, it was him. They they mentioned that he's like, Wilford Brimley was only like 30-some years old whenever he played in Cocoon. Oh, and it's shit. like, God damn it. <laughs> it's like he was looked older than dirt, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> You know what? I have to say out here. So, okay. So proms are probably the exception. um, And I think it's required, hopefully, by schools that they get dressed up. However, out in California, uh, specifically out here, the thing is the girls, I'm not, well, I'm going to slut shame. I'm going to fucking do it. Uh, I'm a woman. I own a vagina. But I have a general rule that I think, and I could be wrong, you can come at me if you want to, I don't give a fuck, that I think that your dress should be longer than your vagina. <laughs> if you can't sit down without your dick flopping out, because that's probably a thing that can happen. That that, that can happen now in the time yeah. you live in here. Um, you can't sit down without the crack of your vagina showing, you know, uh, comfortably, 
it's not appropriate. And I was like, oh, well, you can't slut shame. I'm fucking going to. You should be able to be able to comfortably sit down. And you have a dress coming down to your nipples and also coming up to your vagina. You're not, you're only covering what's in between. Like, why don't you cover that shit and show us your belly button? Like, because that's all you're covering is your belly button. Yeah, it looks like the kind of shit that they would wear to the Met Gala, which is not saying anything because, I mean, you know, we you have famous actors and actresses literally dressing like sluts. And mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, naked dresses are going to be a thing soon at prom. I, I know one day it's going to happen where someone's got this sheer material over and they're wearing their underwear underneath and a bra. Oh, yeah, just like they've done on the red carpet several times. As an adult, fine. Do whatever you want. But as a high schooler, like, uh, it's it's a bit much. Well... And and to me, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, like you said, you you can call this out way more than I can because of. But I mean, just saying my opinion on the matter, it's like I, I feel like prom is a more of a chance to like dress classy. Yeah. But I mean, you can still dress sexy, but classy. Like, oh yeah. I mean, you look at some, you look at some of the dresses that some of the women wore back in the twenties, like you know, nineteen uh, twenties, not two thousand twenties, but like you know, and it's like I mean, they were skimpy enough that they showed the goods, but mm-hmm. they were long and classy. So yeah. They, you know, left something to the imagination. There was a body silhouette you could see. You could see ankles and knees. Oh, my. You know, (laughs) shoulders, too. Uh, And you could have the plunging necklines or whatever. I mean, but, like, you know, you you don't have to, like, basically have pasties. Yes. You know, because I feel like that's how close, just like you agree with you, it's how close we are in some of these dresses that they're wearing in some situations. It's like, uh, I hope you have pasties or something on because you're showing everything. If the DJ tells you to throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care and your titties start waving too, popping out of the dress... that's there's a problem and it's like i don't see how people don't see it uh i i look at you can i i i've seen girls dress super super sexy thigh high slits for prom that's fine but everything else is covered you know yeah yeah i low necklines but their titties didn't pop out like that's fine i don't get it anyways <clears throat> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but it just goes back to the original statement that I I feel like if you look at like people back, you know, in previous generations, I mean, the meme isn't wrong. It's like, I mean, it's, it's something about how people of our generation and younger have like taken care of themselves. Yeah. That, like 30 <clears throat> and 40 doesn't look, I mean, it looks better than some of the, I mean, I'll just put it this way. Like, somebody in their 30s now could actually maybe star in a movie that had teenagers and they'd look legit. You wouldn't question it. But, like, these people, like, they look too old. Like, they seriously do. It's like you're, like, even the, the actress who plays Wendy, she's hot. But, like, she's, like, a hot late 20s or something at best. I mean, and it's like, you look too old for this role, honey. I hate to tell you that. But, I mean, you're, you're not, you don't have that baby yeah. fat look to you. Let's but, give you know. an example. Of one of our favorite actresses that we love to talk about, living her best Hollywood years, Jenna Ortega, who is playing, what, a 16-year-old? In, in, yeah. She's 20 years old, so she's not even legal drinking age yet. And to watch her play a porn actress was very hard. Because she looks so fucking young. Now, this poor girl, and and good for her, because when she's in her 40s, she's going to look like she's in her 20s, probably. And I respect the fuck out of that. Um, But this poor girl is at the age where she is a woman. She is coming into womanhood, if you know, and she is fighting 
to look like a woman and not a sexy kid on the red carpet. And I feel so bad. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's definitely in that, that realm. It's like when you see her sometimes as a guy, at least that perspective, it's like, I don't think that I should be seeing her. She looks like jailbait. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> she's, she's got that young of a face to her. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, is there anything that you want to say about the movie? I, it's, I think it's okay. I mean, it's it's definitely not on my list of favorites to go back and rewatch. I, mean, um, I would like to say something about this film. I am very upset you made me watch this. How dare you? <laughs> my time is very valuable. And this is, I don't know, an hour and 40 minutes of my life I will never get back. I it was not, a, But it wasn't a snooze fest. We'll save that for another film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I get you on that. Um, I, like I told you beforehand, I think you would have had more fun watching Hell High. Probably, and you honestly. did warn me, so. Uh, yeah, they're, they made a 2000-something remake of this movie. I've never watched it. I need to change that at some point <clears> in the near future and watch it, but uh, I, I don't know if it'd be any better, to be honest. So uh, the, the actresses would probably look more age-appropriate for the movie they were in, but that'd be about it. So yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely not how my list of, but I mean, it covers the, the whole school event thing. So there you are. Uh, trivia, the line, it's not who you come from. It's who takes you home appears in all four of the movies. As I've said, they didn't make four of these, by the way. Uh, Casey Stevens had trouble keeping up with Jamie Lee Curtis during the filming of the dance scenes as she was a well-trained dancer who did all of her own dance moves while she was, uh, while he was inexperienced and they required a dance double to be used for him whenever the dancing got too difficult. Oh my God. It's, it's funny because Noah was asking about that because, and I was like, no, I think that's her because it kind of showed her practicing and well, not practicing, but like you know, she was well, yeah, she's in the gym doing like a quick practice. Yeah, she was doing a quick. And I was dance, like, no, that's yeah. her. And he's like, well, aren't her knockers big? And I was like, first off, her knockers got bigger when she got older. That's that's pretty common. So I was like, leave her yeah. alone. They are technically big for her size if you think about it. You know. Yes. She was. Uh, if what is that movie? Um, it's the Dan Aykroyd. Uh, uh, movie later on. I can't, God, I can't. It's not coming to me. I'll have to look it up. But anyways, uh, and and Eddie Murphy. Uh, but anyways, she plays a prostitute in that movie, and she's got those uh, mommy milkers out in that one, and they're <laughs> way more it. Yeah, I mean, it happens when you get older. It happened to me, and I'm very grateful. <laughs> but yeah, and we also put on weight when we get older, so that's bound to happen. Trading places. I had to look it up. Ah, uh, yes. And then, of course, we see her in her brazier in uh, when she was playing the, the what was the spy movie with uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? True Lies. True Lies. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's really got them out in that one. Her mommy milkers uh, are older, really. Though, so yeah. I, I don't. It kind of depends on you know what version of Jamie Lee you want to see, but yeah. Older, but those milkers <laughs> were in place. They were. They looked they, good. They were. That was a good bra. Uh, according to Paul Zadza, the prom scene was shot with actual disco hits that the production company later realized they could not afford. Uh, <laughs> this gave Zadza a week and a half to create similar original disco songs for this movie that were close, but not so close that they could be sued. I think he did an amazing job. I'm going to. It's, it's yeah. It sounded like disco music. So it wasn't a boring Zazza. version of moving in stereo. 
and with such <laughs> short amount of time to compose something like that. And it was exciting. It went really well. Like when you saw the dance scene and you're like, what the fuck is this doing in the film? But you're like, damn, this is catchy. Like, they're, look at she's fucking getting it, you know? It went with the time, so... I think because he was able to compose it, it actually had music that it kind of fit like the movie itself. Because if you listen to lyrics, I think it's got something about uh, this is a prom you'll never forget. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's got all that stuff in there. So. Oh, yeah. It's like prom night. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. But it was, you know what? The thing about it is, is that you had distractions. You had good dancing. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis looked amazing. Uh, you had the lights. Those school lights, for lack of a better term, were fucking lit. Like, and it went really well with the music and everything. Like, it, it was a absolute disco dance. Yeah, it looked like some kind of like, um, it looked like Saturday Night Fever or something. It did. Like, have you ever seen that? You know, it, it was done up the same way. Or like, almost <laughs> like they, those kids could have fucking started a Soul Train. They could have started a Soul Train. Soul Train, yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember what TV show it was, but yeah. Or Solid Gold, I think, is another one. Yeah, Solid Gold. Was <laughs> Look, at, we were too young to watch this, guys, okay? The, these shows were before our time, but we got they, to see. They were the kind of shows that played on TV in yeah. the day whenever you were sick in the 80s. Like, yes. That's the kind of shit that you saw. They were in, syndi- syndi- is it syndica- syndication? Syndication. Yeah, yeah, at that point. So, yeah, we got to see shit that our parents were probably gigging to. Uh, yeah, that and uh, Bob Barker, you know, The Price is Right. That yes. was the two things I remember. So. We're, we're really young, everyone. Remember that, okay? <laughs> we're still real young. Uh, Hamilton High School is the one setting that all of the Prom Night movies have in common. Uh, don't don't know why, but that's how they link them. And oh, they have okay. nothing to do with one another. Well, I take that back. I think after they introduce Mary Lou, like they bring her back for at least part three. So there are links between two and three to that extent. Mary Lou is a vengeful, vengeful hoe. <laughs> vengeful hoe for sure. A show. Bo uh, show. Uh, Casey Stevens would only do one more film after this one, Threshold in 81. He tragically died of AIDS-related illness <gasps> in 86. Ooh. His acting career was beginning to take off. Was he gay? Uh, that's what I would assume. Yeah. But, I mean, it, if not, at least bisexual, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of that was going on. It was the free love time, and yeah. that's why that took off so much. That so. or someone was bisexual, <laughs> and the woman he hooked up with happened to be a recipient and giver of such. That sucks. True. I mean, there were people back in the 80s that got it through blood transfusions, but, I mean, it. I don't know. The numbers were not as high <clears> as they <throat> were for the sexual part. Yeah. So. Uh, Prom Night was filmed over 24 days in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, and uh, from uh, or both of them, I guess. And from August 7th to, to September 13th, 1979, the Don Mills Collegiate Institute served as the main school location, while the Langstaff Jail Farm in Richmond Hill was used for the abandoned building, featured prominently in the movie's beginning. That is a good-looking building. I was wondering. That was the first thing I noticed. Visually, that building was fucking legit. I was like, damn, how did they get this set? Yeah, it, you could tell it was like an old abandoned building. Yeah. It had that look to it. Uh, it's one of the few movies to show an actual telephone number, 614-481-6221, instead of the fictional 555 number that you're used to in movies. Oh, yeah. As of 2021, this is that was still a functional number. It was a fax number for Grandview Heights, Ohio's Parks and Recreation Department. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you they hated that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Gene Siskel, our favorite person, uh, called this a watered down version of Halloween in seventy or from seventy eight, crossed with Carrie from seventy six. Uh, I can't disagree with him. <laughs> this is yeah. the first time I think I have agreed with Gene Siskel. Hey, we'll call it uh, like we see it, and yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, another critic called it a combination of Friday the 13th and Saturday Night Fever. That is a good That's combination. Better. Too. Yeah, better yeah. combination because um, I wouldn't give it a Halloween and Carrie. It's not that good. I'm sorry. <laughs> just because true. it had just because That's it had true. Jamie Lee Curtis in it doesn't make it a Halloween redo. But Saturday Night Fever and Friday the 13th, yeah, it had some elements. Yeah, I think that's a good call on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the subplot about Leonard uh, Murch was added late in the production of the movie. Yeah, oh, you can tell. Oh, it's yeah, I hardly noticed. Barely in it. Um, director Paul Lynch originally conceived a movie about a psychotic gynecologist. Yes! To cash in on Halloween, but upon being told that such a movie would be distasteful, he retooled it to this movie. Fucking Boo! Boo, uh, this man. I don't want to see the psychotic guy, gynecologist. Yes, can you imagine you. the fucking kills? Oh, my God. Make it, uh, make the killer a woman, too. You'll oh, yeah. never suspect the woman, and the women are fucking mean. That's why I only have men gynecologists now. Yeah, she's uh, got that speculum out, like, coming toward the camera with it in a lot of scenes, you know. And they don't even have to kill her through the uh, vagina. They can kill her, like, in her mouth, stick the speculum in there, her fucking ear. Yeah, they could do all kinds of crazy stuff that way. Uh, Lynch developed from not after meeting with producer Erwin Yablins. Uh, Lynch had wanted to work on a horror movie, and in response to Yablins' suggestion that uh, he utilize a holiday as a basis for the movie, Lynch decided that building the premise around the event of a high school prom was the way he should go with it. I mean, uh, they could have done so much with prom. Yeah, I, I, I think that's where the other prom night movies do better than this one. Like they have a better setup, but they yeah. also have a vengeful hoe is the, you know, <laughs> it's their slasher. So that works better. Uh, there were deleted scenes of Mr. Hammond talking morosely about his daughter's death to a doctor and also scenes of him chopping wood, which were meant to point out him as the suspect, meaning Leslie Nielsen would have been your red herring. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> There were also deleted scenes with a psychiatrist informing Hammond that his wife had serious problems, not just depression, over her daughter's death, and another scene with her looking at a picture of Robin on the wall surrounded by flowers, which were meant to make Mrs. Hammond look like a suspect. And further, there was a scene where Mr. Hammond's, uh, with Mr. Hammond speaking to a psychiatrist about Robin's death and its impact on Kim, how she gets depressed from time to time, and how Robin and Alex were twins, uh, but that Alex doesn't remember the death at all. Um so they were really working. That whole family could have been the killer in this situation, yeah. including Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I mean, it was weird because you when you go to the scene, you just kind of see fucking Leslie Nielsen standing and staring at the spot where his fucking daughter died. It yeah. was weird, but you could tell in the movie it was definitely inferred that Mrs. Hammond had problems. Um, she was kind of like you could tell at prom night she was panicking about kind of how she looked or she couldn't find something and. It was weird. She was having issues. You Every time you saw her, she was having, she wasn't all there. Like, she was missing. She was missing a child, and part of her was missing, too. I thought at one point when they showed the, the killer through the mask, I was like, oh, my God, she's got, she looks like a woman. She's got pretty eyes, which obviously it was him as a cross-dresser. I thought for a minute it was the mom because of how weird she was acting right before prom. So that could have worked. 
I think the mom would have probably been a better one to be perfectly yes. honest, but you know, it would have made sense. And then she could have said like, Oh, well, you know, he told me, uh, you know, like her son, he saw them and he told me and she fucking just lost it during prom. You've seen all these kids having a great time and her kid misses out on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that would have made perfect sense. They could have easily went that route with it. Um, uh, and I mean, there wasn't a lot of trivia for both of these movies. So the last one on this one is it's famous for being one of the only slasher movies with a sympathetic killer. Um, and you can kind of understand why Alex, you know, w- did what he did freaking out over the fact that they got away scot-free with his sister's death. I mean, especially Wendy of all people. Like, I mean, it was, you know, um, the only one he didn't kill in the movie was, uh, um, was uh, Kim's boyfriend or whatever, because he, you know, uh, he's kind of, you know, he, he, because he's the good guy, he kind of gets to pass or whatever. Yeah. He felt bad in the beginning. And that's the reason they kind of skip over him. Uh, Death Holler Awards. What do we think about Kimberly Hammonds as a final girl? Laurie Strodes. <laughs> that's basically Laurie Strode 2.0. Um, she does a stand up to the, well, she does. Yeah. I mean, she does brain him with the axe, so I guess there's that. So she does establish that trope. She's the she is a quintessential good good girl. She doesn't unlike in Halloween. She doesn't partake in drugs, so it's, yeah, she's fitting that mold better. Um, I can't really say. The only thing is, is that she really doesn't have a whole lot of interaction with the killers. The thing only toward no. the end, and that's it. Not even in the movie, they don't show the killer very much throughout the film. At least not that I remember that was memorable to me. Um, She was not even, technically she's not really the final girl because she wasn't even involved with the kids at the beginning of the film. She was only involved because she's of age and they're all going to prom together. And she was never intended to be a victim at all. No, she's not. Like she doesn't fit that mold of like having gone through the trauma uh, of being chased by the killer and all that, and then taking back the, uh, as they, they've said, psychologically taking the phallus from the killer and, like, using it against him, you know, like the, I mean, she does take the weapon from him in, in the literal sense, but, like, she does, she has no trauma to work back against him other than the fact she also lost her sister. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. Also, <clears throat> one of the girls, I forget what her name was, um, she's the one that shows her tits in the film, uh, she was crying. She she was so scared. Like as soon as she saw the dead body, she just starts crying and like she's not labeled as the nice person. She just doesn't want to go to jail. Can you blame a kid for being scared for not wanting to go to the jail? If anything, Wendy was the one that, you Wendy's know Wendy's the one that deserves it because yes. she's the one that convinced them to uh to to not say anything about it and just cover it up. Yeah. Um so Final girl wise, I mean, she's not she's not a, amongst the top by any means no. because she didn't experience anything really. It's just she the only thing she did was stand up to the killer at the end. Yeah. Uh what do we think about her slasher, Alex? Mm. Um he's kind of there. I mean yeah. like he's a he's a killer. killer. Yeah. I mean, doesn't really stand out in any significant way. Uh, he, I mean, he's got good motivation. He's more sympathetic than any of the ones yeah. we'll probably ever cover, but that's about all I can say for him in that sense. I think if we really think about it, if I really put my mind to it, he's a realistic killer because he did have pent-up rage. It obviously got to him. It drove him crazy. And his kills looked like he actually did them versus some 
like beefed up, you know, killer that like this person had a hard time swinging an axe, you know, and this person was getting fucked up at points and was having a hard time. The kills took so long because he's just a person. He's not a superhuman. So yeah, same thing whenever he's <clears> going after Seymour in that van, like he's having yeah. so much trouble, like staying on that van or yeah. whatever. And it, it's more realistic that way. It does. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, a realistic killer is what I'm going to give it. Yeah. Uh, best kill to me is just the Seymour slick cr- uh, cane or crane going over the the ex- the cliff and that exaggerated car explosion. Oh my God, God. I love those those cheesy car explosions from the eighties. That was the most entertaining kill thus far, I would say. <laughs> well, I mean, it's up there. Freddie had obviously some entertaining kills, but this was pretty fucking entertaining. Like it was fun watching them go around. It was fun watching the killer almost get thrown off a couple of times. I really thought Seymour was going to make it. Like I was I gunning for the scene. I was like, he's going <laughs> to fucking make it. You know? Um, I really wish I had seen a, what's her name's dead body fall out of the van. You don't get to see that. You just see, get to see her get slashed. Uh, but the doors are shut. And they, I like how the, some of the doors shut because of how the car is being driven. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they're they're shutting and opening because of how the how yeah. it's been driven around. Yeah, that's pretty. pretty it's the most good. entertaining, but definitely the the very close second, and it was it's like this close. They're almost touching tips. Is the uh, beheading of the bully? Yeah, I, I really like that beheading because you got so to quick. see it. Yeah, see it. It was quick. It sounded real, and it looked good. And the way that the head <clears> rolled <throat> down like that. Yeah, disco stage and how the lights going on so it had that strobing effect yeah. it was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool scene for the the head to roll down through there and then everybody in the prom to be like oh my fucking god you know like that sort of thing yeah so, i would uh, see that and i'd i'd wonder if it was real i swear like nowadays i would back in the day i would have been freaked out but nowadays i'd be like wait is that fucking real then i'd go touch it and feel a warm head be like oh my god it's fucking real <laughs> Uh, best scream probably Wendy. Like I, she's the only one that I remember the screams from. That's because her scenes are so long in the movie, but I, they don't stand out as being like the best screams we've had. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> uh, best boobs. Uh, it's Kelly because she's the only one that shows her tits in this movie. That's the one you were talking about that was crying or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'll give credit though. The better boobs in this movie are technically. Uh, Lori Strode yes. or Kimberly Hammonds <clears throat> because there's a scene where she shows hers uh, cleavage in a bra and there's they're very nice but yeah they uh, stand up they uh, she's only 20 in this film but uh you know Kelly Lynch looks like she's she's got the tits of a 40 year old mom yeah yeah she does and I am a 40 year old mom <laughs> no I'm just kidding I, I, no no hers are she had it was the saddest tiniest sack of saggy boobs yeah they were saggy and she's so young and i don't understand it so this award is for the worst boobs they're the only boobs but she doesn't deserve best boobs now i know you'll beg to differ i just listen to them as the only boobs i mean clearly jamie lee curtis had to would have had the best if she would have actually yeah shown them and yeah but i don't think that you and noah would complain like boobs are boobs and i think you're happy you're content with them i agree to that extent but we're going to have i'm going to have a complaint in the next film we discuss it about some boobs in that one so uh but this does have plenty of female asses oh yes movie and they're cute Uh, asses scenes they're cute too. They're not. They're not bad at all. Like I would be complaining. They did really well. This the, the whoever the director was. He was an ass man. 
Yeah, he definitely was. He way emphasized the ass shots mm-hmm. in this movie. So, uh, best side character, Slick, straight up. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, no way. I know, I know we're not going to disagree being a chubby chaser. I mean, Seymour gets it done. Like, he knows what he's, he's all about. So. Well, even if he wasn't chubby, I mean, he... He had a little bit of an ick factor, but he also was still suave. And I just I love when he's introduced by the the one chick in the movie that just you know hops on him instantly to like uh, to Kimberly and like Kimberly and her boyfriend and they're just like hey and then he just like walks up all confident he's like hey man you know like he's he he didn't didn't even you know uh, uh, hesitate one bit it was just like uh, you're gonna know who I am because you know I'm Seymour I'm slick man that's that's how I am it was hella funny well and then of course he's standing next to this gorgeous girl I mean he fucking begged a gorgeous girl I think any guy would be feeling fucking on top of the world at that point and she was hella easy but not only did he bag a hot chick i mean they haven't had sex at this point yet but clearly she's in the bag you oh, know yeah. she's there she's already introducing him to her friends so there's yeah. no chance that, that was going to go any other way but but that way yeah and they're having a good ass uh, time he knows they're gonna fucking smoke later he knows they're gonna fucking get laid later so <laughs> he's having a good night uh, and and he was rocking those uh you know big ass eighties glasses. I'm gonna give him credit because I mean you know damn those things. I I had them whenever I was younger, obviously because I grew up in that time period. Hated the fucking I hated how they looked, but I mean he was rocking them, so good on him. <laughs> uh, Franklin Award. I'm giving that to Lou. God, I hated that guy. Like every I mean you're supposed to. That's good, but I mean like uh, <clears throat> I he's. He, it's funny because he knows Wendy's using him, but he doesn't give a shit. And I don't blame him because I mean, if there's a, she was to me, she was a, even being the rich, you know, bitch that she was, uh, she was still probably the hottest in the movie, you know, that, I mean, as far as like, you could tell that she would at least unlike Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who you could tell was a little bit prudish, a little bit too nice of a, you know, girl to uh, Wendy, you could probably, you know, at least if not the first date, second date, get somewhere with her. So I oh mean, yeah, it was one of those things. 100%. And, um, it's just that he was so perverted, nasty to, to the, you know, Kimberly that it's just like, okay, you're getting the Franklin award on this one. Um, I, I almost give it to Slick though. At one point, Slick was bordered on becoming a Franklin, but yeah. he pulled it out in the end. He did okay. <laughs> like he, I don't. It's weird because right when he's about to, he pulls back. So it's weird. It's like a close call with him. Yeah, yeah, he's right on the border of being one. <clears throat> what do you think? Uh, I mean, I didn't officially rate this, but the Steve Buscemi Fellow Kids Award. Like, how how old do these these uh, folks look in this movie? Um, uh, you said Jamie Lee Curtis was only twenty, but I swear to God, she looked late twenty in this movie. Like it was her makeup or something. She looked she looked a little uh, too old. I based it on the fact that she was born in fifty nine. Yeah, she would have been straight. Yeah, twenty years old. So and she's, it's funny because, like I said, she just did Halloween like a, maybe even a year before this, and she looks way younger in Halloween. It, it had to have been the makeup they had on her. Um. I think they had her dressed a little too sophisticated. And maybe that, that was a thing back in the day. That that could be it. Although she's a little more sophisticated in Halloween too, but like I don't know. She's got more of a baby face in that movie than she does in this. I, it's weird. Yeah. Um, 
I think that the girl that played Kelly Lynch, uh, besides her fucking titties, she was younger looking in the face. She she was the youngest looking in the face of all the girls in the movie. Straight yeah. up, I mean. Um, Wendy in the face looked way older. Yeah, wow. so Wendy, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to get her... She was born in 57, so she was a couple years older than Jamie Lee Curtis. They um, still looked like mid to late 20s, yeah. I, I swear. No, I she mean, looked like she was in her, well, yeah, maybe late 20s, early 30s. You know, it was definitely, because here's the thing is that when we're putting on makeup as, you know, younger, even younger girls look older, but not in an old way. They look Older in a, I guess, a more mature way, so which can be scary because you can make a fourteen-year-old look like a, you know, twenty-year-old. Yeah, and that can get scary. But that's the goal: is that when you're younger, putting on makeup, you want to look older. I don't know why. And then when we get older, <laughs> our goal of putting on makeup is to look younger. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the it's the cover up the blemishes later yeah. on. Yeah, like earlier, it's like to make yourself like I mean. I don't know, like the cheeks to look a little bit more, get the baby fat out of them to make them look more hollow. And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's weird. It, it goes the opposite direction. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt like so many wasted years of my gorgeous face when I was younger, putting on horrible makeup. I looked terrible. And I was like, my skin was gorgeous. What was I doing? You know, you, you learn, you live, you learn. Um, so I think that's the problem is that they, they did exactly what every teenage girl would do is they put on makeup to look older and they, but I feel like the time period, like we've discussed mm-hmm. and the way they dressed and the makeup itself, they looked uh, at least according to like how we're used to now, mm-hmm. uh, they look too old in my opinion. Yes. Like, for and what they were going for. Think of Wendy's hair too. Wendy had that, uh, quintessential, Middle part with the seventies waves, yes. Um, so that style's coming back now. So girls are doing that. Teenage girls are doing that. It is aging them. I'm not joking. So hairstyle also can that, age somebody. So they had a lot of negatives going in their favor. That was really popular back in the day. So <laughs> I don't know, but no, that I was not buying them. It would have been better if they would played college students. Here's a good comparison for you. Do they look as old as Drew Barrymore did in that movie where she goes back to high school to try to be her undercover reporter? Because that's like that's egregiously bad. Like she, in no way, shape, or form, looks like a teenager in that movie. Josie Grossy. Um, <laughs> it's funny because Drew Barrymore has a baby face. She does, but she looks way too old in that movie. Like it's the it's hilarious. What was that movie called? That- Oh God, I don't even remember now. It's I I, I mentioned it the other day to somebody, and I've already forgot because I, I hate that movie so much. Uh, I don't know that I watched it all the way. Hold on, I'm looking right now. Uh, never been kissed. Yes, never been kissed. <laughs> oh my no! She, oh my God, there's a horrible photo of her from it. Oh my wait, no, I think that's when she was Josie Grossy though. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways. Um, do they look as bad? They don't look as bad as Steve Buscemi and that fellow kid's uh, part of the, that movie, if no. you understand. So there's at least that going for their favor. Oh my. <laughs> That's not saying much. Yeah. I didn't realize that uh, David Arquette's in that movie with her just looking this up. I mean, that's almost like a scream reunion or something in that movie. 
I uh, didn't. Know. Oh my god! Franco were in that. Good God. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, Jessica Alba was in that film. Holy shit! Um, uh, depend and and she would have that movie uh, Idle Hands, which we'll cover in Zombie Season with her. She is very baby faced in that. She almost looks like Jailbait if she wasn't. Like you talk about, like she's the opposite. Like she's, I mean, well, actually, no, she's she looks like a high schooler in that movie, and I don't think she was, but she looked like one. So, um, <clears throat> anyways. We'll cover that when we get to it. Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet, Lieutenant mm. McBride, who literally only exists as a red herring Doom Prophet who keeps talking, who who just keeps telling them it's like it's it's Leonard, he's back. I mean, uh, he's the worst. He is literally <laughs> the fucking worst. We not have had only, some. <laughs> go ahead. Not only is he a Doom Prophet that will not shut the fuck up. I mean, which is one of their hallmarks, but he sh- he won't shut the fuck up about the wrong damn person. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's like, bro, shut up. There's a killer at the prom. We want to get back to that. You fucking, we don't, we don't care about you. I mean, Dr. Loomis at least warns people about Michael because it is Michael. Crazy Ralph warns people about, you know, there being a killer on, you know, at, at Camp Crystal Lake, and he's right. There is a killer yeah. there. So, uh <laughs> This motherfucker's giving them the wrong information all from the get-go and won't shut up about it. Yeah, even when they're like, hey, by the way, we found the killer. He was at such and such. Uh, The guy's like, oh, you found him? And it's like, shut up. We want to see what's happening at the prom. Can you fucking take this to another movie? And it feels tacked on. It yes. really does. I think whenever they came up with the Leonard Merch stuff, that they they tacked all this Lieutenant McBride shit on at the same time. They're like, well, we got to have somebody worried about it being Merch. Let's just have this guy going around. And his scenes have no connection to the movie whatsoever. It's literally the worst. I just have <laughs> nothing else to say. It's the worst. Uh, the best red herring in the movie, uh, it's to me, Leslie Nielsen. He's the, he's the one that if I was going to pick somebody that I thought might've been the killer otherwise, cause of how they set it up yeah, uh, with a creepy <clears throat> look and everything, it's him, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, At one point I thought it was him towards the beginning. Then I started edging towards the mom. I even thought that maybe Jamie Lee Curtis could be. It would have been a great twist yeah. if it had been Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, Curtis. they kind of set it up with the, with the movie cover. If you yeah, I was getting ready to say if you looked at movie cover, which has nothing to do with the movie, like they totally set her up as a red herring because they got her holding the knife and everything. So she doesn't even look like that at the prom, by the way. Like she has no, curly hair at the prom. You could tell it's all. It looks like it comes from another movie altogether. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worst parent award in this movie, I'm giving to Mr. Hammonds because I mean he is, uh, you know. His son is the killer, and, I mean, he, you know, just basically allows his son to get, I mean, you understand why in the context of the movie, but still, it's like, I mean, he is, his he, you know, basically, because of what he's seen, the killer there, like, he has the wrong person pegged for his daughter's uh, death, and then, like, at the end of it, like, he's he seems a little too nonplussed that his son was the killer, like, I mean, he doesn't freak out as much as I, I would have or seem as devastated, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty, they just didn't use Leslie Nelson to his full capabilities. Not at the end, they didn't, for sure. Yeah. Uh, worst adult uh, award uh, period uh, would be uh, Mr. Sykes because 
he's a, he's a fucking creep. Like, I mean, he shouldn't have been in that school. He should not have been even allowed within the realm of children uh, of of any age. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who hired him, but <laughs> they need to uh, go back and and look at their credentialing system because it's really flawed, folks. It's really bad. They need to rethink some things. <laughs> And then the dumbest moment in the movie, even though I love it, is Slick driving around forever in that in that van before it blows up. It's like, Jesus, man, like, what's the runtime on this? Like, three quarters of it is Seymour driving around in this goddamn van as he's trying to throw the killer off. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the second one is Wendy running around, although she is trying to get away from the killer. So, but whatever. And you could argue that for Seymour, but it's just say it's it's like Jesus. Like, how long is this going to go on? Apparently for fucking um, ever. Can be together. If for only a day, we can face 